What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 352. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of Bleeding Green Nation. Got a big show here coming up. Eagles, Commanders, Week 4. We'll get to the matchups in that. We'll get to the injury reports. Before we do that, make sure you check out the fine folks at Wrong Crowd Beer. WrongCrowdBeer.com is where you can order online. Check them out at West in Westchester, PA. Uh, good restaurant, good brewery, good beer. Yes. In fact, Brandon brought up one of the things on the menu in the restaurant, actually, that caught his eye, mentioned it during the last show, and one of our loyal re- listeners who actually showed up to our mm-hmm. live show uh, a few weeks ago, Alex, um, responded that he had <laughs> the meal that you were talking What was it again? Bacon-wrapped jalapeno peppers, and uh, our good friend Alex, who is on Twitter at Alex White Noise. Uh, said, quote, they were banging, definitely recommend, end quote. I mean, they look good. And here's another thing, Jimmy, I forgot to mention. Uh, I like, I love, actually, when places, restaurants have actual pictures of the food that they make. Like, I love seeing, you know, what the options are because sometimes (laughs) you see a thing on the menu. I'm like, well, that sounds good, but does it look any good? And when it does look good, okay, I'm definitely getting that thing. So, yeah, in addition to the great beer, that they have at Wrong Crowd Beer Company. They also uh, have good food, it looks like, at that location in Westchester. So people should go try it. And also, uh, if you're looking to get some Wrong Crowd Beer, don't live in the Westchester area, go to your local store. They probably have it there. And if not, tell them get that in there. Yo, yo, doofus, where's the Wrong Crowd <laughs> Beer? <laughs> All right. Uh, where do you want to start here today? Should we start with the injury report? The hard, the hard news. news, of which there is not a ton for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think like the biggest thing uh, in the discourse in general is still the tush push, but we already talked about that. Uh, I talked about yeah. how there is a movement to call it the brotherly shove that was brought up to Nick Sirianni. He seemed to like that. You said that it's kind of yep. too late. I kind of agree with that, but at the same time. Maybe not locally, but nationally, you're not going to – people nationally are not going to say, oh, yeah, we'll call it the brotherly shove instead because they like that. I part. agree with that. Although, there you know, you have Pete, uh, <laughs> our, Pete, Pete Schrager on Good Morning Football kind of making a case for it. So maybe it's kind of catching on slowly. Okay. Sure, we'll see. see that. But, yeah, anyway, there's really nothing to get to in terms of, like, roster news or drama other than that happening. But, again, we covered it. We will – Instead, go to the Eagles injury report entering their week four game against the Washington Commanders, their first division game of the year. The Eagles issued their first injury report on Wednesday. It was estimated because 
the Eagles didn't actually practice coming off of a Monday night game. They just had a little walkthrough. So the three players who were listed under did not participate and I would think could potentially be in jeopardy of missing this week's game are Quez Watkins. So it seems like he'll be out for another week. Really no need to rush him back from a hamstring anyway, especially when Olamide Zacchaeus might be better. And then Justin Evans and Sidney Brown. That's not ideal because that's two of the Eagles' four safeties on the roster. Um, what do you make of that, Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, Evans is a starter, um, so you don't want to lose him. I don't think the drop-off from him to Terrell Evans is all that much, so it's fine. Like, I think they'll, they'll survive that. And then Sidney Brown, I think it was interesting that he started getting slot reps um, week three against the Buccaneers, and they're already kind of like makeshift in their arrangement in the secondary as it is with James Bradbury playing reps in the slot. Um, that's not, that's not, that can't be sustainable long-term in my opinion. They're going to have to trade for a slot mm. corner at some point, but they, they kind of mixed it up a little bit with, you know, uh, Bradbury in the slot at times and Sidney Brown having more put on his plate uh, week three by playing the slot a little bit on the nice play that he made in the end zone. It almost kind of like he fell <laughs> on the, on, on the play where he broke up a pass for Mike Evans. It would have been much cleaner pass breakup if he hadn't tripped, but he still got the job done anyway on that play. I think that was the play where he got hurt. Justin Evans went out really early in that game. I think he only played like six or seven snaps or something like that and did not return. He had a neck injury. So they're thin at safety. It's just Terrell Evans and Reed Blankenship. And then, question mark thereafter so uh we'll see how you know that progresses as the week continues on here uh but certainly the safety position is uh, the big concern and then otherwise the guys who were limited were Britton covey hamstring fletcher cox knee he's had that all year so far he's played through it so i don't think he's uh any kind of threat to miss this game zach cunningham ribs uh interesting there because the eagles are already down to kobe dean but again, we'll see how that progresses. And then Cam Jurgens is a new addition to the injury report with a groin injury. Um, the one notable thing, I guess, on the on the positive side is that Landon Dickerson was a full participant. He left the Buccaneers game, I think it was during the fourth quarter, maybe the third quarter. I don't remember exactly, but he didn't come back. Sua Opeta finished that game. So Dickerson will almost certainly play if he's a full participant. Mm-hmm. And then if they need Sua Opeta to fill, into Jurgen, fill in for Jurgens, I think they're fine there. But certainly they want Jurgens in there. I kind of just wonder, I mean, who's he, what, who's even their backup safety if Justin Evans and Sidney Brown aren't playing? Because at that that point, you just read Blankenship, Terrell Edmonds, and what? <laughs> what, 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 what yeah, who, who do they have? Who's on the practice squad? I should have Zion McCollum, who played uh, against the Eagles for the Bucks in week three. Uh, his older brother, Tristan McCollum, is on the Eagles practice squad. So yeah. there's him. Um, they, could pull, they could call him up. Maybe. maybe. For one, and they, they would only do that, I think, if both Sidney right. Brown. They'd have to. And... You can't have two safeties in entering a game. Although, unless yeah. and maybe they feel like they can move one of the corners on to safety in like a pinch, I. But I don't know who that would be. Yeah, I don't so... even know who that would be. I mean, it was it was exactly. Avante Maddox, but he's he's out. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, they'd probably just call up Tristan McCollum. I would, I would think, think so. I mean, why, why else have him on the practice squad if you sure. can't call him up? Well, you know? why have Mario Goodrich on the roster if you can't even be active when <laughs> he is the backup True. slot quarterback and you lose your starter? So uh, maybe it'd be him. I, I don't know. But in general, yeah. And then you wouldn't you wouldn't call up Devin Allen instead. Like, Devin Allen was the was a practice squad right. call-up along with Braden Mann mm-hmm. uh, week three. 
Devin Allen showed nothing on his kick return and also as a gunner in that game. So I don't think you're losing anything by not calling him up week four. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I would I would imagine they'll call up McCollum. Uh, Which I didn't think he was I didn't think he was bad in camp by I the way. I agree. Like I didn't I didn't notice him getting roasted mm-hmm. at a, you know and, and he did make a play here and there. So I mean if, if, as a guy that just just get you through a game sure. if so, if you know one of your two starters goes down, he's probably fine. <laughs> you say that and then watch him be terrible. <laughs> uh yeah, I think Well, they're also not playing like Justin Jefferson. I mean, Terry, you know, Terry yeah. I'm blanking on his name. It's ridiculous. Terry McLaurin. McLaurin. Terry McLaurin. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. I couldn't think of his name. Terry McLaurin is obviously a great receiver, but you know, you're not facing uh the you know the 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 greatest show on turf Rams here mm. in this matchup. So uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, you can you can skate by maybe with with a practice squad safety if you need him as your third guy. You covered the other injuries well. I just would say that like Cox, Jergens, Cunningham, and Covey are probably just a case of the Eagles managing those guys and getting them to Sunday as opposed to them being in jeopardy yeah. of missing the game as much. On the commanders side of things, uh they are pretty much healthy in terms of the 53-man roster, they had three players limited. That was Percy Butler, Chris Rodriguez Jr., with he was out with an illness, and then mm-hmm. Logan Thomas, who is in the concussion protocol. But the fact that he's already limited on Wednesday indicates he's probably going to be able to clear right. it and play on Sunday. So, And then Emmanuel Forbes was full. Uh, Benjamin St. Just, St. Just, Just, I think it is, is yeah. was also full. So those guys are going to be able to play. So nothing too crazy on the commander side of things, which is – Kind of unexpected because they're usually a team that's pretty banged up. Um, that's the the one thing I will note for them. So they have that really talented front four, mm-hmm. of course, along their defensive line in uh, Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. They're all, like they're it's a very talented group, of course, and it's the strength of their team. But thereafter, they don't have depth, and it was a it was an issue for them last year. And the Eagles looked to exploit that in their games last year by going a little up tempo maybe running the ball a little bit more. And they have three guys that are out in this game. Their uh, defensive line depth in F.A. Obata, who played at Fairmount last year. Fedarian Mathis, who was their second-round pick mm-hmm. last year, missed almost the entire season uh, a year ago, started this year on IR. And then Shaka Tony, who was suspended for gambling on NFL games. So they have three of their backup linemen mm-hmm. are out for this game. So I would imagine that the Eagles are going to try to do whatever they can to fatigue mm-hmm. those guys along the defensive line and get deep into the commander's reserves on that side of the ball. Let's take a moment here to do an overview on the Washington commanders, the Eagles week four opponent. Just looking back at what they've done so far, uh, for those who do not remember, they played the hosted the Arizona Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon's Arizona Cardinals in week one. They were, uh, it was a four-point win for them. They needed a 10-point fourth-quarter comeback to get that four-point win. So there's that. Week two, road win over the Broncos in that game. That was pretty crazy because it almost went to overtime with that Hail Mary at the end. The Broncos failed to convert that two-point conversion. So uh, it just ends instead as a two-point uh, loss for the Broncos, two-point win for the Commanders. And then week three was the game that I think I, I, everyone was expecting to see a little bit in terms of, okay, those two wins, cute and all, but can you really hang with the big boys? And the answer was no. A resounding nope. no. 34-point <laughs> loss to the Buffalo Bills, and the Commanders would have been shut out in that game if not 
just for kicking a field goal late in the game, simply for the 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 point of not getting shut out. So, which yeah. I think is pretty pathetic. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> that's still a shutout in in principle. Like, if you would have to go get a touchdown and earn a touchdown to not get shut out, you can't just kick a a, a weak field goal just to get a zero off the board. Uh, in terms of my respect for you, so um, yeah, and as a result. You have a commander's team that ranks 28th in point differential, so bottom five, and then 22nd in uh, DVOA. So not what a great is their team. point differential? Uh, I forget what it was exactly, but I gave you the ranking. Uh, the only teams worse are like, <laughs> you know, the Bears, the Raiders. The Broncos. Are the Broncos. There, yeah. um, probably the Giants in there as well. The Giants so, are probably in there, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, that's their company. Yeah, they're not a good team, uh, in my opinion. And um, I don't know if you mentioned the sacks when I was escorting Charlie out of my office here, but <laughs> but no, they I gave up nine. I looked away. Okay, they 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 gave up nine uh, to Buffalo week three, and they've given up. Did you mention that they give up? They give up nineteen so far this season. And we'll get to more of that in, like when we get into the matchups in the second segment, but. You've given up 19 sacks so far this year. It's yeah, we, by men- far we mentioned the most that in the, in the NFL. last show, I believe. Yeah, I mean, the next closest team has given up 13. Um, and when you have an Eagles defense that is shutting down the run and making opposing offenses one dimensional, it's a bad thing for you know Sam Howell and, and this commander's offense. Um, Sam Howell had four interceptions against the Bills mm-hmm. uh, in addition to taking those nine sacks, and some of those were bad. <laughs> like some of those were like very clearly on him. Um, so I thought he looked kind of promising at, at times the first two games. Mm-hmm. But again, you're looking at, you know, two teams that, in my opinion, are bottom quarter of the league in the Cardinals and um, and in the, the Broncos. He can run around a little bit. He did that. Like, he kind of had a weird college career mm. in that he put up big numbers as a passer uh, the year before his second to last year at North Carolina. And then he lost uh, a bunch of his receivers and uh, two really good running backs, so not a lot to work with. And he kind of transitioned into a, a quarterback who just ran uh, for a lot of yards. So he kind of, you know, played two different styles of football uh, during his college career, which I think served him well coming into the NFL. But he's just, I mean, he was a fifth round pick for a reason. And, you know, I don't see it. Like, I like it's to me, this commander's team has a new quarterback every year. Mm-hmm. And that quarterback typically does not play all that well, and they shop for another one the next year, sort of. Sometimes they shop heavy, sometimes like barely at all. And I think this is just the next guy that'll be, you know, forgotten two or three years down the line. The, um, man, I totally lost it. Totally forgot what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> oh, same hell. Um, I think the discourse on him was interesting leading up to the draft because, you know, first for a time there, it was like this guy might be the number one overall pick entering what his final season. Right. Like, people thought he could kind of, you know, with a strong final season, he could kind of be that player. And then yeah. early on in the year that year, like he did not look good, and it was like, oh well, not the case. But then I think I think it got like too far removed. I think because that expectation was built up so high, and he underperformed right. that, then everyone was like, well, he's just worthless now. And I think, well, okay, well maybe that's a little bit overreacting on the other end of that and I actually thought the commanders got him you know at a good point to take a chance on him when they did in the draft I think he was being a little bit undervalued there relative to how people thought of him prior so um entering the year we did our NFC East mixtape offseason episode of like most underrated players 
where we pick one on offense and defense for each team. That's me and RJ. Okay. Doing. And I think I picked uh, Sam Howell as my most underrated did you? offensive <laughs> uh, player for them because I don't think he was getting enough credit. I think people were dismissing even that uh, game he had against the Cowboys late in the year. So I, I kind of I, – it's not like I love him. He's a franchise quarterback. But I do like think there's something there. Maybe – you know, he kind of tops out as like a guy who can make starts for different teams in the league, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, for example. He's not there yet, but like I think it's possible he could reach that ceiling of being a guy who starts games for you, but is you know more of a journeyman and moves around from team to team. I think that's like the kind of yeah, the best or like case. the other guy on the roster, Jacoby Brissett. Sure, exactly. Yeah, someone who like, like that who's like, like another like, example, that kind of guy who kind of like a bridge quarterback. Um, you know, could be a really good backup option to have but obviously a guy mm-hmm. you just don't want to be as your long-term starter so i think that's kind of what we're seeing or what he could be all right like but, Brissette's probably the better player on their roster but i think yes. they're handling that right they did they did the right thing by just kind of handing sam and he probably out sam Howell, as far as i know outplayed him in camp and during the preseason games or so the washington media says um so like, but even if he hadn't, they probably would have given him the job anyway, which I think is the right thing because screw it. Why not? Like you're not going anywhere with Jacoby's Brissett and you're probably not going anywhere with Sam Howell either, but at least you can see what Howell can do and how he fits into your plans long-term, whether he can be a starter for you if things really worked out well, or if he can just kind of be a backup um, and you need to shop for like a legitimate starter down the road. Uh, so they're doing the right thing by playing him. Right. But I, do, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a rough year. For them, you know, after like you said, like a promising start, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just starting out two and zero against two really bad teams, I think from there on out, it's not going to be pretty the rest of the season for this Commanders team. It's pretty crazy they didn't play him more last year when um, Taylor exactly. Carnegie yes. clearly wasn't like the long term guy and wasn't playing well at a certain point later in the year. I mean, they gave Carson Wentz a start. They went back to Wentz. <laughs> Why? What was the point of that? Like you knew he wasn't going to yeah. be the guy. Like what more did you have to see there? Like just put Hal in. The worst case scenario is that okay yeah. he's bad again. The best case scenario is like oh there might be something here. So yeah, weird uh, franchise, bad franchise. Well, they were still trying. They still had a chance of making the playoffs. Like they were in the playoff hunt yeah. until the very end of the sure, season. But so they're go. They're trying to go at the and until the final game of the season really when. They they were they only played Hal when they were eliminated. Mm-hmm. Um, when of course what happened last year was uh, Ron Rivera didn't know mm-hmm. that that they could be eliminated <laughs> with a loss mm-hmm. heading into their week uh, I guess seventeen game the second to last game of the season they didn't know they could be they could be eliminated during the press conference after the game he was infamously asked um, you know about them potentially being eliminated depending on the outcome I think it was of the Packers Lions game no that was week 18 so what I think it was a Packers game if if that game had gone the wrong way they could be eliminated he's like wait what we huh <laughs> we can be eliminated if they if if they win that game and that's embarrassing man so it's just a badly run organization obviously they get Dan Snyder out of there um they get the new owner in there i don't even feel like mentioning his name because he's a loser i really he's... hope the eagles show him <laughs> i really hope he's there i think he's gonna be there i would guess he's gonna be there because you know it's not like philly is a foreign market to him i would really hope josh harris is there and i really hope come on eagles come on come on video guy whoever i don't know if you listen to this i doubt it but if you do Please, you have to show Josh Harris on the big board. He is going to no, get... No, he'll absolutely get booed, right? Destroy, yeah, he get has crushed, to, right? Get destroyed. I mean, it's not like people are happy with the Sixers. Even if even if they showed him right now, 
like as the owner of the Sixers only, and he didn't own the Commanders, he would still get booed. I'm pretty sure. Especially now, he's definitely going to get booed. They they have right. to show him. The Eagles have to show him on the big board. They need to do that. I need that so bad. <laughs> he deserves to be booed. Agreed. He's a bad owner. He's a bad owner for the Devils. He's a bad owner for the Sixers. And he's going to be. And he's. I mean, he's going to be a massive upgrade for the Commanders, but also still going to be a bad owner. All right, let's take a break here, but not before we hear about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Check out everything they have to offer Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's excellent. It is the meat snack that the Philadelphia Eagles have at the Novacare Complex Fueling Station. So if it's good enough for them, has to be good enough for you, too. Found uh, Based in Westchester, PA, in addition to Ron Crowd Beer Company. So uh local and high quality products again right to selling.com discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order same discount code works at wildrangerpet.com for 15 percent off high quality dog treats you know not this like weird junk they're putting in these you know other generic dog treats um it's kind of like the same thing as you know think about the competitor products to righteous felon craft jerky in terms of the meat sticks and i had those only prior in my life and i was like this is terrible i was so i was <laughs> well this is a true story because having those i was like oh they all must be bad then like there's no good meat stick and then i had righteous felon craft jerky's meat stick and i was like wait no this is actually really good and you can have a great version of this when you're using better ingredients and whatnot so um and there's also like righteousselling.com even has comparisons of that like some comparisons to the you know the generic products that you can find out there and what separates them from those and you will taste the difference if you actually try it so righteousselling.com discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order where they offer fast and free shipping uh on orders 50 dollars plus so check it out and we will be Back, back after this after this what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape this is scott galloway host of the prop g podcast and an entrepreneur myself right now we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship we're answering your questions on work-life balance how to raise capital for your business and more because when you're an entrepreneur it's always important to look ahead at what's to come so tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 352. All right, let's really dive in to our Eagles versus Commanders matchup. I think we should start with the Eagles offense versus the Washington defense. The... Yeah, let's start where they're good, where the commanders are good yes. right off the bat, because um, there aren't there aren't many things to pick out where they're good. So, you know, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, all for all first round picks and all paid very well. So Allen, 17th overall, 2017. Payne, 13th overall, 2018. Sweat, 26th overall, 2019. Chase Young, second overall, 2020. Four straight years. They used first round picks on defensive linemen and love that strategy. And those guys are all very good, 
but they're also really highly paid now too. So Allen, four-year contract, $72 million. Payne, four-year contract, $90 million this past offseason. Montez Sweat, uh, he's playing on his fifth-year option. They're probably going to lose him in free agency next year, I would imagine. And then Chase Young also might lose him, hmm. who, you know, he's well, – they, they declined would it, would it be a loss? his fifth-year option. <laughs> they, 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 he, that, like, he's, he's been a boss. Hmm. And he's been injured, but at the same time, he has, like, skipped OTAs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which you don't want to see from a guy that hasn't done jack on the field so far. Like, he had a good rookie season – undeservedly made made the Pro Bowl that year, in my opinion. I mm. think there were better players, but he was very well known, and he had a very good season for a rookie, but probably wasn't better than a lot of vets out there. Whatever. Um, that year aside, really hasn't done anything. He's skipping OTAs and stuff like that. Like That's kind of a loser to me. Mm. And I think that probably factored into some degree. Maybe not that specifically, but they, you know, behind the scenes, he's probably just not you know a great team guy. And they declined his fifth-year option. So uh, if they are to retain him next year, they're going to have to give him a huge new deal because somebody out there will just based on his talent and potential. Um, but, yeah, he's he's the second overall pick, and he might only be there four years. That's got to be looked at as a disaster uh, you know, choice for them in that draft. But anyway, still has talent. Those four guys are really good. They've combined for 6.5 sacks so far this season. Montez Sweat has three of those. They have like a collective ability to, you know, wreck games if they have an opposing offensive line that isn't really good. But of course, the Eagles offensive line is always elite. And I thought like week one, they weren't awesome in pass pro. Mm -hmm. Like the Patriots did get some pressure on them. Week two, they were a lot better. And then week three, they were awesome. Like the two plays, the one play in particular, the Hurts touchdown throw to Alameda Zacchaeus, like the pass pro on that play was stellar. Like he had six, he had six seconds to throw. Eventually did get hit while he was throwing. Sure. But like after like six seconds, he just hang, hang in the yeah. pocket, hanging there, hanging there, hanging there. Like wasn't even moving around much, just kind of stayed where he was in the pocket and found Zacchaeus down the field. But they, they completely shut down uh, the Buccaneers pass rush in that game. And if there's any doubt like that, that, this group is like on their way down or declining or whatever. Maybe we'll see elements of that with, you know, guys like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. It's certainly not a precipitous, precipitous fall off in those, in the case of those two guys. Um, They're fine. And I think Cam Jurgens has been good so far, which is maybe a semi-concern area, you know, replacing Isaac Sayamalo. But I have no, you know, worries about this offensive line being able to hold up against what is basically the commander's biggest strength. So their biggest strength <laughs> is almost going to kind of be neutralized by what is also the Eagles, you know, arguably biggest strength or, or one of. Uh, so I think that that that's a matchup, maybe not in the probably is in the favor of the Eagles, really. But well, in the sense is, you know, of the bad news picture. For the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's bad news for a commander's team that really needs that group to dominate games or they probably don't have much of a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there, there will be moments where they can get theirs, um, you know, you know, where they can win those battles. But mm-hmm. in the, the bigger picture, yeah, you trust the Eagles offensive line to hold up. I will say, you know, maybe it's important that Jalen Hurts is making some quicker decisions. I think that's one of the things that's bothered me with his season so far. You look at the average time to throw uh, among all NFL quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts ranks fourth slowest. The only, can you guess the three quarterbacks who are slower than him 
and hmm. he's at for he's actually tied by the way Sean, uh Jalen Hurts with Deshaun Watson they're both at 3.14 uh seconds on average to I'll throw say Justin Fields he is number one in the NFL at 3.2 that's an easy one I think Six. uh Lamar nope think about someone really bad really a guy that runs around a lot um, well someone think, think about who's someone who's really bad and can't make quick decisions and plays at MetLife Stadium <laughs> oh Daniel Jones okay no uh, Zach uh, oh Zach Wilson Zach Wilson and then this guy is a rookie the next guy Okay, so it's uh, probably Anthony Richardson. It is Bryce Young. Profile. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Bryce Young, those are the three quarterbacks who are holding onto the ball longer than average. Not the best company there. Bryce Young surprised me because his game at Alabama was kind of to you know, make quick Well, you know, he's throws. a rookie. You know, sometimes yeah. uh, it takes time. So, uh, but yeah, I would like to see some quicker decisions from Jalen Hurts. I feel like it's kind of been a feast or famine for him in that regard. This mm-hmm. season, I think there have been times where he's gotten it out quick, but it's either like really quick or very long. And I think there's kind of, you know, a happy medium to be found there. So going up against this defensive line, I would think I'm not saying you have to get you have to be at like Tua where he's getting rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds right. on average. But I think a little bit quicker in the in the processing there would kind of make sure uh, that the Washington defensive line doesn't get a chance to sack you all day. I think one of the one of the reasons for the high time to throw is also because so many teams were are dropping eight into coverage against them, which That's means fair. they're only rushing three, and he knows he's going to have a lot more time to throw. And also, like it's hard for guys to get open that quickly when there are eight guys in coverage. <clears throat> um, so. That's probably part That's of it, fair. but I agree. Like 3, 3.1, 3.14 is too high. It's, it's too much time. I would like to see a little bit more of, and this is something I loved from his game against the Bucks. is sometimes you have to throw to a spot. Sometimes you have to throw your receivers open. Sometimes they're not going to be open, and he did that on the Lamed- Lamedei Zacchaeus touchdown, and I would just like to see a little bit more of that throwing to a spot and making some quicker decisions and not just holding on to it. So, yeah, but I, again, I think that's important, especially in this matchup, because you, if you don't give the commanders the chance to, to get to you by getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker right. than uh, you're going to help out your offensive line. And I think that is a good approach to take. What else stands out to you about this commander's defense uh, coordinated by your favorite defensive coordinator in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, what I mentioned earlier is that, that, you know, D line foursome, uh, they're better at getting to the quarterback than they are at stopping the run. Like, I don't think it's the, the you know, their run stopping ability is necessarily a weakness, Particularly, like Jonathan Allen is just an awesome player across the board. So is Deron Payne. But the, again, they're better at getting after the passer than they are stopping the run. And then I mentioned earlier how they have a lot of depth issues. Um, you know, once you get by those first four guys, so I think they're going to go tempo. They're going. I think they're going to see you know heavy dose of the run again. And why not? Like DeAndre Swift, twenty eight carries, one seventy five against the Vikings, sixteen carries, one thirty against the Buccaneers, no reason not to continue to ride that hot hand uh, against this Washington team that is allowing 4.8 yards per carry so far in 2023, which ranks 27th Mm. uh, in the NFL. I mean, not to be the run the ball guy, but run the ball. And then also, like, the other thing I'll note, too, is um, we mentioned Emmanuel Forbes earlier on the injury report with an elbow, Mm. uh, full, full participant practice, but... That guy weighed in at 166 <laughs> at the combine, and it's not like he's you know, like short and 166 like 
his body type Squatty, isn't that skinny, yeah. but he's like six one. Like mm-hmm. that guy is rail thin. He is literally outweighed by AJ Brown by fifty pounds. Mm. So, to, excuse me, no, no, not fifty pounds, sixty pounds. Mm. AJ Brown has sixty pounds on that guy. Mm. So, I think as an extension of the run game. They can get, I know Eagles fans hate those quick screens. Some, I mean, I guess when they're not working, they hate them, but sometimes they do work. I want to see the Eagles throw some quick screens out to whatever side of Manuel field, whatever side of the field Emmanuel Forbes is on and see if that guy can make tackles uh, against these Eagles wide receivers and see if he can beat blocks and make tackles. Um, test that guy as a tackler. I know he can make plays on the football. He's got ball skills like his forte in, in, in college was that he picked off a boatload of passes, yeah. but make that guy make tackles at this next level and test him. You know, you're going to face that guy for the next decade, potentially yep. see what he's got right off the bat. For what it's worth, he has not missed a tackle so far this year, according to pro football references charting, you know, they have that missed tackle mm-hmm. percentage. He's at zero. So hasn't popped up as a huge issue for him this far, but I agree with you that the Eagles should be looking to specifically um, work that matchup there when you and not even just that but I also think I know you know Forbes does have the ball skills and you want to be careful maybe about just throwing it up but I mean I'm going to take my chances with AJ AJ Brown being able to like out muscle that guy down the field so uh, that's something I think that certainly works in the Eagles saver anything else if they if they have corners trail specific receivers, it'll be Kyle Fuller on AJ Brown, and it'll be Forbes on Devontae Smith, who have similar mm-hmm. body types, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is a guy that you absolutely want to test him physically. Like, remember the Sean Payton thing where they were like, they're like run at twenty two, <laughs> which at the time was Sidney Jones, and mm-hmm. they just made and they did. Uh, there was a Peter King article that came out after that game, how they yeah. just wanted to pound it at 22 over and over again. And they did, and he couldn't make plays against the run. Um, so I think you want to do a similar thing against Forbes here. Okay. Anything else on the commander's defense? No, I think that's it. You like, uh, I, I alluded, I said this earlier. You didn't say anything in response to it. You like their defensive coordinator a lot. <laughs> Jack, uh, J A Q. Del Rio. Yeah. I mean, so I think it is notable that, you know, Jalen Hurts was tested mentally these first three weeks against like elite defensive minds in Bill Belichick, Brian Flores, Todd Bowles. And then they get this guy week four who they're used to seeing. They know they probably know what to expect uh, from this Washington defense, but certainly isn't the defensive mind that the three guys that they faced the first three weeks are. I forget where Dallas Goddard said this. He had an interesting quote. It may have been WIP. But he said something to the effect of, like, we've seen a lot of exotic stuff early on this season. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, we kind of expect to see a little bit less of that, I think, specifically with the games coming uh, up. That's so, interesting. I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to say, like, you know, it wasn't like, well, everything will be easy now. But he said, like, he, I think it's a little <laughs> right. bit more of conventional standard NFL defense as opposed to very uh, outlier exotic things. So. Um, it's because it really worked out well for the Eagles, I think, in that they got three teams that aren't great the first three weeks talent-wise, but at the same time, they were tested mentally with a lot of different challenges that way mm-hmm. and got through it being 3-0 and after the fact. And yeah, I, I do think, you know, certainly this week, they, they're going to have a better handle on what the opposing defense is going to try to do to them. Uh, one last note from the Bucks game that speaks to kind of where the offense is at right now. Um, certainly the red zone efficiency has to be better uh, when you have 
four true trips to the red zone. I'm not going to count that last one since the game, you know, ended in scoring territory and they obviously weren't trying to score at that point. They were just running out the clock. And, but they had, they did have that other drive that began at the 37 with Blankenship's interception. And then it got as far as the 22 before Hertz threw his own. And mm-hmm. from those four red zone trips and that one drive just outside of the red zone, they scored nine points off of that. Got to be better. <laughs> you have more yeah. than nine points when you could potentially have as much as 35 there if things go right. That being said, 472 yards of offense. They only gained more <laughs> yes. than in two games last year. So, you yeah. know, it does seem to be, you know, I, I think, again, Hertz is going to make some progress here. This will be a nice little uh, coming out party for him at home. Kind of really kind of get right, make everyone feel good about the Eagles. Kind of a little uh, hearkening back to last season kind of feel of a game, I think, is what you would really obviously love to see from the offense that's all I have on them. Jimmy, the number one matchup in the world could be in the universe might be Kristen Roach versus <laughs> against other realtors. Well, yeah, versus houses being sold. <laughs> yeah. And she sure. always wins. She always sells those houses. Well, that's that's actually true. Like she does, like whenever she gets listings, they they always sell. Like there's no question about it. They they sell. Uh that's totally true. <laughs> like, so you're right on that. And if you're looking to buy or sell your, your home, call her at 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Or if, you know, you're a millennial Gen Z, I don't think, you know, the younger people, Jimmy, I'd like to count myself. Well, they text, them. Yeah, call. yeah, they text or you go to the website, roachfeelers.com. You can even send an email. I don't know if people really want the email. but She just walked outside, actually. Okay. Where's she Where are you going? going? I don't know. Jimmy doesn't know. Hopefully she comes Probably back. Probably going to sell a house. Probably. Okay. Eagles defense versus the Washington offense. And where I just kind of left you off there with a bit of a you know positive sign putting the Eagles week three offensive success in context. I'll do that same thing. Closing note on the Bucks game with the Eagles defense. Can you name Jimmy how many games the Eagles allowed fewer yards than they did in week three? So they allowed 174 mm. to the Bucks. How many games in the Jonathan Gannon era? So dating back to the beginning of 2021, yeah. did the Eagles allow fewer than 174 trying to think of the teams they smashed uh the titans maybe nope no how, well i said how many games i didn't say which team. oh okay uh none one and one okay it was 164 so only 10 fewer yards and it was in the nfc championship game when their opponent didn't oh, really have a quarterback yeah. at the end so that's <laughs> right. the one game so i mean I, I that kind of surprised me when I looked at that. I was like, "Wow, that was a pretty." That's a. Pr- I know the Bucks aren't great, but still, one seventy four. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah, and it's a really low number. And they, you know, they had some success in the prior two games. Like that's, that's a, and that's a very low number. So, uh, yeah, I think Sean. Like Desai. what I've seen from Sean Desai so far. And they only allowed eleven points total. Again, eight of those were they were playing soft late in the game. Uh, yeah, they produced two points on a safety and also. Uh, the Jalen Carter forced fumble ultimately set up a field goal. So they kind of like directly yep. produced five points in addition to only allowing 11. So that's really impressive stuff coming off of this week three game. And this defense against this Washington offense 
is the reason I think to feel like awesome about this matchup. I love that Reed Blankenship pick. When I, now that I got a little closer look at it from the end zone view, mm-hmm. he's playing the right side. It's it's like, uh, and he's, I guess the Bucks had two receivers to Blankenship's right, and one went in motion pre-snap. Um, so he was the receiver was going to the other side of the field. So just left Mike Evans just on that one side, and that was Baker Mayfield's first look was to Evans, staring him down. Soon as Baker Mayfield's head turned mm-hmm. to the other side of the field, Blankenship just hauled ass mm-hmm. to that side of the field, like because he knew he went off Evans. He's not going back there. Didn't have to worry about him anymore. Mm-hmm. Hauled ass to the other side of the field, and then when Mayfield threw to what he thought was an open. Chris Godwin, uh, Blankenship was there easily yep. in time to make that interception. Just a really instinctive player, really impressive play that he made uh, on that interception. Love what I've seen from him so far. The Eagles defensive line should be able to just really work this unit. It feels like I've seen some things that indicate the commander's offensive line hasn't been totally as bad as the numbers would indicate, it seems like some some of their uh, there was an article in Hogshaven about this. They, um, I believe it was Ben Baldwin, did like a composite ranking of different NFL offensive line rankings from like PFF, from uh, Sports Info Solutions, and then maybe like ESPN pass yeah, win rate. Like so kind of like a collective, you know, sample mm-hmm. size. And some of those numbers really vary. So you know, you take it for what it's worth. But yeah. point being, the Commanders were actually a little bit more towards the middle of the pack there than they were like totally just downright last. Mm. So okay, I think that was a little bit interesting. But still, I don't think it's a good offensive line. And uh, part of the issue isn't just the line. I talked about Jalen Hurts not getting rid of the ball very fast and certainly down from where he was last year. And he was around like 2.8 last year. Again, he's around 3.14 right now. Mm-hmm. Sam Howell is at 2.9. He has the ninth slowest time to throw this year. And he's not a guy, too, where unlike Jalen Hurts and, you know, Russell Wilson and Justin Fields, um, like some of these guys who are going to hang on to the ball in part because they can run and make plays happen with their legs. Sam Howell is. I'm not saying he's immobile, but he's not like that same level of runner. And if you go back to college, again, something also good article they have up on Hogshaven Arts in the same article. uh, He's always been that guy, even at UNC, just has a habit for hanging on to the ball. And I think that's going to give the Eagles opportunities to sack him. You need to at least be able to get, I think you need against the Eagles pass rush. You have to be able to get it out quick to have a chance at neutralizing them. And I question Howell's ability to do that. So they have two offensive linemen that I think are fine. Charles Lino at left ta- or left tackle, and then Sam Cosme, who they drafted in the second round of the 2022 draft, I think. 2021 or 2022. He's the right guard. And even Cosme is a little bit of a disappointment because I think they drafted him to be a tackle, mm-hmm. and he didn't play well there, so they moved him inside. He's fine at right guard. But again, sort of a disappointment. Neither of those guys are are going to make a Pro Bowl anytime soon. So like they're you know decent enough players, but not star players by any stretch. The other three spots are mm. significant concern areas. So left guard is Sadiq Charles. He's given up a few sacks already. Nick Gates is he's the center. also a disappointment, by the way. Like the I feel like he was originally a tackle. He was a fourth round pick, I think. But they yeah. wanted him to be like a tackle, and then that never worked yes. out. So they had to move him inside as well. He's he's been with the team. I think this is his fourth year now, 
And this is the first time he's been like a starter from week mm-hmm. one. So it's taken him a long time to even get in the lineup too. And he hasn't played well the first two, the first three weeks. Mm-hmm. The center's Nick Gates. He of course had that gruesome injury during the 2021 season. And he came back in 2022, just that he played it all was impressive. And he, he even got some like comeback player of the year votes uh, last year. So, you know, good on him for that. And then he signs with the commanders in the off season. But this is a guy that's had seven leg surgeries. He just can't hang physically with guys like Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. I'm sorry. It's just impossible. You have seven leg surgeries. Forget it. And then right tackle, as we mentioned on the last episode, Mm. is Andrew Wiley, who was very clearly the worst of the Chiefs offensive linemen that the Eagles faced in the Super Bowl by a wide margin. Like the Chiefs offensive line was awesome last year except for that guy. So like, you know, there's going to be maybe a little measure of revenge in Hassan Reddick's mind heading oh, into yeah. this matchup. We'll see if he can take advantage or not. But I would say that three spots on this offensive line, you have players that are, you know, below average clearly. And then the two that are fine are not like well above average. They're above average in my opinion, but not way above average. And they're going so, up against the strength of the Eagles defensive line, which is the interior. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So a little different in that. I guess like the right guard position has been the real weak areas for the teams the Eagles have faced so far this year, mm-hmm. whereas this time around it's going to be left guard. But whatever. I mean, uh, obviously Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams are all playing out of their minds the first three weeks of the season, and that's an area where they can dominate, I think. Jordan Davis is the second highest graded player by PFF for the Eagles this year. They're def- on defense, only behind okay. Jalen Carter. And he's like ninth in the NFL among interior defenders. Like makes sense. I think he's kind of not locally so much, but nationally kind of being a little bit overshadowed just by the the fact that Jim Carter has been so awesome. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, the two of those guys are just, you know, they're looking awesome. And Fletcher Cox, no, no coincidence that he looks rejuvenated this year playing next to those guys as well. And, you know, taking advantage of, of that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is something you would have to overcomplicate here. I mean, I have a tough time believing that this commander's offensive line, even though maybe it's a little bit better than it gets credit for relative to the sacks. But I mean, when you're giving up that many sacks and you're going up against this Eagles front, I mean, that seems like it's going to be a big problem for them. I mean, their game plan is going to be pretty simple. I think it's going to look exactly like it did last year, where they just try to run come hell or high, you know, come hell or high water. And last year, they didn't even do that. Like, they didn't even run it that well. They had 49 rushes for 152 yards, which 152 yards sounds like a lot. But 49 rushes, it's 3.1 yards per carry. But they were getting, like, two or three yards on first down, two or three yards on second yeah, it down. Was, it was a consistent they, churn. It wasn't, like, yes. big play, negative play. It was, like, a consistent three <laughs> yes. yards. And then they, they kept converting third downs. They kept converting those, like... Not even short third downs, but like short to medium mm-hmm. third downs all game. And the Eagles just couldn't get a stop, partly because Jonathan Gannon just didn't do anything to force the issue. Like he didn't blitz. He didn't he didn't like do anything creatively. He just kind of he waited back mm-hmm. and and don't make a mistake eventually. eventually. <laughs> Taylor Heineke would eventually make him make a mistake. And he did eventually, like late in the later in the game. Yeah. But it took like, you know, three quarters from the finally you know, start making some mistakes. And by then there was already a, a significant deficit. I don't think we're going to see that from Sean Desai. And first of all, like, you know, after the, uh, the, the Buccaneers game, I was talking to Brandon Graham 
in the locker room. I was asking him about the run defense and he's like, you know, in true Brandon Graham style, he's like, we got two big boys in the middle. Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> in Brandon Graham style. So like, he's very excited about uh, their ability to stop the run uh, on early downs. And I think in this game, like you said, they can't have that just steady churn. They have mm-hmm. to have stops where they're, you know, they're, they're Get getting off tackles for loss or, you know, t- you know, tackles for no gain and force them into these second and third and long situations yep. and make them put the ball in the air so that you can get after this offensive line that is compromised against this, you know, extremely good Eagles defensive line. Yeah. The commanders rank third in the NFL tied for third with the bills only behind Miami and the Cardinals actually in rushing yards per attempt this season at 5.0. So I do think they're going to come in here and try to run the ball with Brian Robinson, but I mean, kind of just like how, the commander's uh, best strength on uh, defense is their defensive line, and that can potentially be negated by the Eagles' offensive line. I very much think the commander's strength of their offense right now, their running game, is facing a tough task in getting going against this really elite, quite frankly, Eagles' run defense so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're number two in the NFL in rushing yards on offense behind just the Dolphins, and then they're number one in the NFL on, in rushing in, in rushing defense. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, as we mentioned during the last episode, they play two teams that don't run the ball very well in the Vikings and the Buccaneers. But I don't think this Washington team runs the ball that well either. Like Brian Robinson, I think, is a decent enough player, mm-hmm. and Antonio Gibson has some, you know, potential like big playability in him. That dude fumbles a lot, though. He's yep. got two already this year. He, had, he he didn't fumble a lot last year, but in 2021, he had six fumbles. And as we've seen so far this year, the Eagles have forced a ton of fumbles. You mentioned the Jalen Carter punch out uh, earlier. And then, of course, was it four fumbles that they had? They had four forced fumbles against the Vikings, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so, yeah, they've done a great job getting the ball out so far this year. And uh, Gibson is a big offender on that front. Okay, and then lastly, uh, do you have anything else on offense versus Eagles defense versus Commanders No, offense? I think that's pretty much it for me. Lastly, real quick, I want to note that the Commanders special teams unit is not good. They actually rank dead last in PFF's special teams grading, and then they are 28th by DVOA. So, And specifically, a big issue for them this year, something that I've noticed by monitoring Hogshaven, is they have a long snapper issue. It's not too many teams that have a long snapper issue, but Cameron Cheeseman. They drafted that guy, too. Yep. They drafted a guy (laughs) named Cameron Cheeseman. They should have allowed the Packers to draft him because that's a great fit, obviously. But (laughs) but seriously, like that's been a a source of ire for Commander Sands is like our long snapper is not good enough. And they're kind of they've kind of been sticking with him despite that. They're I think they're trying to hope. They drafted him. (laughs) Yeah, they did draft him that they're going to ride it out. But that's another thing to uh, to watch out for. A special teams mistake could also be something that is not working in the commander's favor here. Um, nothing much more to say about that other than that's just a little thing to keep an eye out for. It, it wasn't even a seven. It was a sixth round pick that they used on this guy. I think, did they trade up for him? Because didn't they trade I with think the Eagles? I think that they sounds tra- they did familiar. did that trade with the Eagles when the I Eagles think got that's like, a right. future fifth? <laughs> yeah, I think that might be right. That's very funny. I got to look at that now. Okay. Uh, hold on. He was 225. I'm looking it up right now on Wikipedia. And yeah, uh, from, it says from Philadelphia. Yeah. So they traded it, up for it. It says Philadelphia traded 
sixth and seventh round selections mm-hmm. to Washington uh, for a 2022 fifth. Who was that 2022 fifth? Mm. They might have traded that one really in the weeds here, but I do. I'm also curious about this to figure out who this would be. So who did they even draft in 2022? Well, it's going to be a high. Hold on, I, I'll, I'll pull it right here. It would be a high five. They that might would, have traded this pick away to somebody else. Um. Uh, oh, here from it is. Washington okay. via Philadelphia. They, yeah, they traded that. The Jaguars made the pick on that trade, but that so the the Eagles traded that fifth to Jacksonville in exchange for two sixths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we're really in the weeds. That was one eighty eight overall, which. They traded again. Oh, they traded that to the Lions. What did they? They got Grant Calcaterra with the six. Yeah, that they did keep. And then the other one was, geez, what is this? Oh, okay. So they traded. uh, They used that that pick to trade up, which became Kyron Johnson. Okay, so eh, didn't really amount to a whole. Kyron Johnson and Grant Calcaterra is what they got out of that. Kyron's still in the practice squad, and then Calcaterra is your third tight end right now. But those guys are better than Cameron Cheeseman, so he's still on that trade. Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right, why don't we take another break here, Jimmy? Are you ready for the break? Sure. Well, then send us to it. Uh, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, it's time for our weekly DraftKings same game parlay, where each week uh, our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook will put our Bleeding Green Nation, where you'll even see the actual Bleeding Green Nation logo on their homepage under like the quick same game parlay options that you have. You can like scroll over to it. Uh, for all of you, our loyal listeners, to follow along with last week, Jimmy, the same game parlay hit. If you bet on it, mm. uh, let's say you bet $10, just for example, on it, you would have earned 38 bucks. I had the Eagles going, you know, I, I could Jalen Hurts over on 225 passing yards, I believe. I had Eagles money line, and then I had uh, Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown score. So that hit last week. Let's see if I can win you some money once again. This week, Jimmy, I am going with three legs once again. 
and similar odds. I was, it was plus 380 last week. It's plus 385 this week. So if you bet $10, you win $38.50. I have Eagles minus eight. I'm going with the spread this week. I feel good about that. Do you feel good okay. about that? Eagles minus eight. Eagles? Eagles minus eight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm taking the Eagles in this. Yeah, I, I I normally don't. I actually made them one of my picks in my column, mm-hmm. which I normally don't like laying that many points on any team. But I so I look at this matchup like even if the passing attack doesn't you know look anything like it did in 2022, it mm-hmm. still got better from week one to week two to week three. But even if it like even if they don't progress from what they've looked like so far, they still just have you know, matchup advantages across the board, like everywhere on the field mm-hmm. uh, on both sides of the ball. I think that line is way too low. I think eight is too low. And that I think it's actually a bargain. I'm actually taking um, the Eagles in the SB Nation NFL shows TGI football, which is the Friday podcast I do with RJ Ochoa and Steven Serta. We do a lock of the week every week. Mm-hmm. And my lock of the week, spoiler alert for my pick here for the Eagles is the Eagles minus. Really? And by the Interesting. way, I'm three and oh so far in my locks of the week. And I was also really good at this last year. <laughs> I'm, I'm really good at taking one game and okay. making that my lock. Of the, I forget what I had, but I definitely I won twice as much as I lost. Definitely. At least last year, I forget the exact record, but it was really good, especially in relation to RJ and stats at the time who were both like maybe under 500 or got to 500. Anyway. So I have Eagles minus eight is one leg. I have, Dallas Goddard, anytime touchdown scorer. He does not have a touchdown yet. The Eagles are very cognizant, I believe, of getting all of their guys involved, and he has yet yes. to kind of like get involved in that way. And also, this is a little bit of a Dallas Goddard revenge game after he got face masked and injured last late last year. I think the Eagles are I think that's something that like does factor in and they kind of want to get him his after that moment. A little you know, a little One of the insane no calls of the twenty twenty two NFL season yes. overall. There was, was I'll, I'll never Davis forget. Yeah. Just tried to rip his his head off his body, there and was, then he fumbled on the play too. He fumbled, yeah. And so then the refs had to review it, and then like see because they were cause they kept they, playing they, they kept playing it over and over and over again on the jumbotron, and yep. like fans <laughs> booing louder every single time. There was a screen. There was a shot of that play I remember vividly where the ref. I, I don't know if it's the back judge or whatever. There's a, literally a ref staring. <laughs> At this fumble right. happening, like with, right. like no one's in the way, like come clear line of sight is watching this happen and somehow misses that call. Like that's it's insane. You can, you can see it clear as day from the press box too. Like everyone yeah. in the stadium could see it, yes. and there's a yeah. guy standing like a foot from it. A face mask is not a hard thing to miss typically, especially when a guy's out <laughs> yes. in space because like you see there's a weird like thing that when a guy's head randomly turns sideways, like oh that doesn't like it's it. unconscionable that they missed that call and it had a huge impact in the game. It's just crazy. Anyway. So I think the Eagles are going to get a little bit of revenge there. And then I have, so I might try to alter this. I have not officially submitted this to DraftKings yet. Uh, When it comes to, they don't have props up yet for the amount of sacks, which I think they usually do. I'm not mistaken, but they just have Eagles to record a sack. It's minus 3,000 on its own, but including in this parlay, um, obviously, you know, you get more of a better odds on it. So I feel very confident the Eagles can record a sack when they have a really good defensive line and the commanders have given up the most sacks in the NFL. So anyway, yeah. that's our same game parlay this week. Um, give it a shot. If you feel good about it, don't. If you don't, uh, each week, DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 
www.1800gambler.net in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake, Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see sportsbook.drackings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Jimmy, our week three pick results are in. You and I both went one and three against the spread. Really? I thought I had a good week. Nope. Huh? You didn't. I did all my picks. I was five and two on my column picks. You How did that happen? Did not. I can pull up the results for you here. You huh. took. So we both took the Packers minus one and a half. They did yeah, not. I they got won. That wrong. They like, didn't yeah. cover yeah. by just half a point. Um, you took the Commanders to cover against oh, the no, Bills for some one. reason. I don't know why okay. you did that, yeah. but the Bills covered. <laughs> I took the Bills to cover the six and a half. Uh, we both right. took the Cowboys. Obviously, we got that one wrong. And then I took the Bucks to uh, cover. They did not. So that's my one of my three losses and your sole win. So you went one and three. Yeah, I didn't have any of those. I didn't pick any of those games in my column because I didn't feel good about any of them. Okay. So that's that's why I was good in my column picks, but bad on the podcast. Picks. Well, some would say the podcast picks are the only ones that matter, especially to the people <laughs> listening to this episode. Yeah. Uh I am six six and one on the year, not great. You are worse though at four eight and one. So Ugh, have some ground to make gross. up. You and I are both three and zero oh, straight up in our Eagles picks so far. Of course, let's get to this week's picks. Only four games to talk about. We're going to start with the Saints second round pick watch, which is worth mentioning that the Saints are potentially going to be without their starting quarterback Derek Carr for mm-hmm. some amount of time. Might not be too long, but uh, shoulder injury, and that's not good news for them because even though there's like this weird idea that Jameis Winston is actually good now Stinks. or something like like people yeah. like him for some reason he's a turnover machine dude he I forget let me look up the numbers uh as you make your pick but I mean they had seven they had 17 to nothing lead in that game against Green Bay last week when Derek Carr went out and they blew that lead and the, mm-hmm. the Packers won 18 to 17 with Jameis Winston in there now they went super conservative in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. but fact of the matter is they gave like his if we were like looking at like this like the nba james winston was minus 18 in, in, in that game so you know it's he's not a very good quarterback and there's a reason why he's never stuck as a starter anywhere um i don't think Derek carr's been good this year either but mm. certainly he's a lot better than james winston this is actually a kind of a, a weird matchup between two teams that have number one overall pick mm. busts because that's certainly what Baker Mayfield was as well. I kind of like the Bucks maybe mm. a little bit more in this game than the Saints. If like I think they're kind of equal. Neither team is very good. This is like a somebody has to win the NFC South kind of game. And I guess you know when I think they're kind of equal, I'll take the three points. Is that what it is? Three? Yeah, Saints are three point home favorites. Yeah, I'll take the three. I guess. I mean, with no conviction whatsoever. I don't like either of these teams, but with no conviction whatsoever, give me the Bucks. Yeah, I uh, I don't feel great about it either. Jameis Winston, 96 interceptions and 24 lost fumbles in 87 games played. Like, what are we talking about okay. here? Like, liking Jameis? What, like, what are you talking about? Anyway, uh, I <laughs> that being said, uh, I worry about the Bucks not being good. 
And <laughs> very fair. They're playing on a short week <laughs> here as well. Yeah. So I'm actually going to take the Saints, but I also will. I have no conviction about it, but I do think it's a potential opportunity to beat you in a kind of a coin flip scenario. So okay. just for the games, game theory of it all, I will take sure. the Saints, but I uh, I don't feel good about it. And also, I'll do a little reverse jinx here because I would like the Saints to lose. This I would like to see the Eagles get a more favorable pick from New Orleans. Ultimately, uh, the bad news for the Eagles, Eagles fans like tracking this Saints second round pick is that the entirety of the NFC South lost last week in addition to the Saints. So that loss didn't mm-hmm. hurt them as much as you would want it to, but still good development. That's the worst division in football. Yeah, it's not good. Good development for the Eagles that um, they did lose still. Okay, let's move on to the Patriots, Cowboys, and I'm just going to say it. Give me the Patriots plus six and a half. I don't know that they're going to win, but I do like their ability to kind of muck it up a little bit here. I think that's what they can do. I also, I'm going to give credit to Shio Kapadia here, who I saw his picks. He also picked the Patriots plus six and a half, which made me feel better about my pick. He put it, just think about who's on the sideline for each team. Bill Belichick and Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots here. <laughs> getting points. I like how Shield simplifies things like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I saw this line at seven. I picked the Patriots in my column at seven. But yeah, I'll also take them at 6.5. Um, I have four concerns with the Cowboys' offense. One, their offensive line is already banged up. Missed like mm-hmm. three guys, I think. Three starters were out last week. And I think um, your guy, Tyler Beadish, is probably going to be out. Uh, I think Zach Martin is it, or maybe it was. Uh, I don't remember who else is good, probably going to be out. I have to look at their Martin, again, but it looks like, Biotis, looks like they're going to have two guys and out. Tyron probably. Smith all did not practice on Wednesday. Okay, uh, Tony Pollard leads the NFL in touches. We mentioned this during the last podcast how he is on pace to have more touches in in the 2023 season than Ezekiel Elliott ever had during anyone's season with the Cowboys, which is crazy. And then. I also think that the Cowboys passing attack is just so far too reliant on one player, CD lamb. If anything happens to CD lamb, they are screwed because they got, haven't gotten much out of Brandon cook so far. Michael Gallup is not the same player that he was. Gallup was better in week so, three, but he was also going up against, I think like a UDFA. It was like a Cardinals backup cornerback. Okay. So I think that had more to do with that guy than it did. Gallup. Well, CD lamb is up back. around. He's up around like 300 yards receiving, a little below it. And then the next closest guy is like barely over 100. So there's a huge gap between Lamb and then the next guy down. Um, and then the fourth thing is Dak Prescott just has no interest in running the football at all anymore. He's just done as a dual threat guy. Run occasionally, but in the scope of NFL quarterbacks, he is very clearly in the bottom half of the league in terms of quarterbacks who can make plays with their legs or want to make plays with their legs. And he's probably bottom third. Uh, Cause I mean, Bob Sturm, I don't know what he's, what Bob is doing now, but he was with the athletic. He's uh, really good. He pointed out a play uh, first and goal against the Cardinals. This was, I believe on the same drive where he threw the, basically the game ending pick to Kaiser white but on first and goal, it was a read option, and the defensive end was cr- the defensive end that they're reading on the play was crashed down on Pollard, and it was a very pretty pretty obvious play where it, Dak should have kept it and run it and run it probably probably could have gotten in the end zone if not the, the, he would have gotten positive yardage at a minimum, but instead it winds up being a loss of two 
on the play because he just handed the ball to Pollard. So I think there are legitimate concerns with things that they kind of have to throw out of the playbook if he's just going to be totally unwilling to run. Mm-hmm. So the, the, those are four. I mean, their defense might be the best in the NFL, but but even that, like they're giving up a lot of rushing yards to a Cardinals offense that like, you know, we're not James Conner isn't Walter Payton. So like, you know, they were, they were having a lot of success on the ground against this Cowboys defense. Again, I still think it's, they're in the conversation for best defense in the NFL, but they have major concerns on the offensive side of the ball. Also just look at what the Patriots have done this year. Like they played the Eagles competitive. It was a game at the end. The Dolphins Dolphins game was, I mean, if Cole Strange, like, you know, get spotted. <laughs> right. The ball gets spotted. The marker, like, yeah. like that, was close to who knows being a game at the end there. And then, um, you know, they they beat the Jets. Almost lost to the Jets on a hail mary at the end there. I couldn't believe. I was like, oh my gosh, Randall Cobb almost had it. But um, Jets couldn't do anything offensively in that game. Yes, for sure. And I think they're like Patriots. Just could be one of those teams that plays to the level of their competition, and for good and for worse. They kind yes. of just again. I just I, f- I feel like they're just gonna again like muck it up. Like they're they're just kind of be hanging around, and it's not a team that you just so easily dispatch of. They're just kind of hanging around. It's annoying, and I think the Cowboys win the game. To be clear, but I do think it will not necess- it will not just be them cruising like they did in the first two weeks again. So both like the Patriots to cover, but not to win. Yeah, right. You're taking them to lose the game. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love the Patriots <clears throat> in that in that game. And I think the Patriots can win that. I expect the Cowboys to win that game. I think they can. Well, I was think, taking the cover. Of I course, think they the can Patriots win. can win that game. Yeah, that would be a very bad loss for the Cowboys because then all of a sudden they're two and two. Let's you know can't just assume the Eagles will win, but let's say that you do. Then the Eagles win. They're four and zero. Oh, and guess who the Cowboys have next week at that 49ers. point? Forty Niners. Yeah, yeah, Sunday so, night football. Yeah, hmm, that would not be a good spot for them if they lose this game. Let's hope it happens. All right, the Seahawks at the Giants. How the f are the Giants favored in this game? I don't care. <laughs> it's insane. I don't know. I, just, I looked at that. I, I figured it had to be wrong. Like I looked at a bunch of different places just to make sure it wasn't wrong. The only thing that concerns me is that when there's a line like that, it could be telling. Sometimes the line is telling. Yeah. Like let's take for example the Bengals game last week. Like all week, Bengals are minus three. It's like Joe Burrow might not even play. It's like, and the Rams, you know, prior to losing to the Bengals, like look pretty good. So I was sure. like, why are the Rams, to me, it was like, why are the Rams getting points here? And I was like, that line's too good to be true. The Bengals are absolutely winning this game. If the Bengals are being favored by three, and it's not even so sure Joe Burrow will even play, then the Bengals are definitely going to win that game. And uh, so unless that's this is that scenario, which I don't think it is, because I, what, what get, the Giants have been terrible. They've been awful. The Seahawks have dropped 37 in each of their last two games. Yeah. Like I just I don't the, see the, it. The Giants, the Giants' defense sucks. Like just flat out sucks, and their offensive line sucks, as we know. But their defense has been like sort of the really surprise thing that has been so terrible for them this year. You, you expected like Kayvon Thibodeau to make a, a jump, you know, from from year one to year two. I think they were hoping like some of the guys in their secondary will play better. None of it's happened. Like they've gotten their asses kicked mm. on the defensive side of the ball all year, and now you're looking at a Seahawks team. With Geno was playing fine. Mm-hmm. You know, they got the two running backs and Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. I think that was Charbonnet was one of your guys, right? And you like yeah, him? I do like Zach Charbonnet. I also love Kenneth Metca- Walker. You got Metcalf, Lockett, and uh, Smith and Jigba. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna score points against this Giants team. Like, mm-hmm. there's, of course they are. 
It's weird. It's very weird that the that the, the and what are the, I think it's one and a half, right? It was one and a half. I saw it when I wrote it down for the sheet today. When I checked earlier on Thursday morning, it was down to Giants minus one. Okay. Well, whatever. I mean, it's, but uh, yeah, you're, we're taking them out right anyway. <laughs> so who cares? So one of one of the things I like to do, I didn't do it this week. But one of the things I like to do before I even look at the lines is I try to guess what the line is. And then if what I'm guessing is just significantly different from what it is, then I'm probably going to take that game. Mm-hmm. I would for this game, I would have guessed Seahawks minus three point five is what wow. is what I would have guessed heading into this game. Mm-hmm. But they get one and a half. It's crazy. <laughs> Again, the only reason I can see is that Vegas knows something we don't, and we're suckers. But I I don't. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I'm not going to regret taking the Seahawks take getting points. I will not regret that bet. I feel right. very good about that bet. They could lose even if they lose, I think it could be a very close game. Anyway, uh I do like the one and a half better than the one, of course, the half point, but I mean still, give me the Seahawks. And that brings us to our Eagles game to talk, to discuss the Commanders at the Eagles. Minus eight. We already spoiled this pick. I mean, again, this yeah. is my lock of the week. I just think, like, I, I just, I know division games can be tricky. Um, but I think one thing that is a positive of the Eagles losing to the Commanders like they did last year is they're not going to take this team lightly. It's not like this isn't a trap game. They're not going to take him for granted, first of all, because they haven't even been, you have not been playing their A game this year. There's no fear of them being like smelling themselves too much. And also, they lost to this team at home last year. I'm sure they're very aware of that and being like, hey, we cannot take this team for granted. We have to right. go out and give uh, our an effort here. Um, Link's going to be rocking. That's going to make life even harder for that commander's offensive line and Sam Howell. Uh, I don't know that Sam Howell's going to throw four picks again. I think he's going to be better than he was last week. But even so, I think there's just going to be so much pressure on him. I think the Eagles just match up well against this team incredibly well. They're yeah. going to shut down... The- the commander's running game. They're going to neutralize the commander's biggest strength on offense. And I, like the way the Eagles lost to the commanders last year, like you said in the previous episode, it's just so fluky. It was such a fluky loss. Even with the commanders doing the things they did right in terms of that strategy you talked about, shortening the game and all that, like they still needed a lot of luck to win in the form of you had an interception that at one point was in A.J. Brown's hands down the field and got bobbled and ultimately resulted in the commander's pick. You had that deep play to Quez Watkins where yeah. it's a deep, you gave up a huge that. explosive catch. How many times is that a positive <laughs> right. play for the defense? Right. Happened to be because Quez couldn't hang on to the ball. Ball comes out. Um, there was the Brandon Graham play at the end where I thought it was BS that he got called for roughing against Taylor yes, Heineke. Because Taylor Heineke basically baited him into that call. Um, like so many things had to go right for the commanders in that game. And it was still a close game at the end. Obviously the final score was a little bit separate because the Eagles lateraled and the, uh, Casey two yeah, scored a touchdown, yeah. but it was still a close game, even despite all that fluky stuff happening. So I just, I really, what am I supposed to be worried about? You know, famous last words, but what am I supposed to, why am I supposed to believe the commanders have a chance in this game? Yeah. I mean, I don't have an answer for you. I'm, right. I'm, I'm laying. I'm what laying is it? Too. What is? What do you point to? I can't. It's well. The only way that so like Terry McLaurin could go off. Uh, okay. You know, one of their one of their other skill players could make like a ridiculous play or two or something like that. Like that's that's how they can win. Um, or like you know one of the one of the front four guys that we've mentioned throughout the episode 
gets a strip sack and they, you know, that gets returned for a touchdown or something like that. Emmanuel Forbes makes a big play on like an interception, turns into a pick six, something like that. It's going to have to be a big, you know, obviously like a big play thrown in there at some point that you kind of can't account for. I think those things can happen and the Eagles still win. I mean, they sure. may not cover. That's a lot of the points, but whatever. I mean, I think they're, it's, I, it's my lock. I feel good about them. I think they're, they haven't played their A game yet. I think we can, and I still think they can do that. So, this is their weakest opponent of the season by far, in my opinion. I think the three teams that they've already played so far are be- not by far. The, the Buccaneers aren't by far better than, than Washington, but I think the all three of the teams the Eagles have played already are better than this yeah, Washington. Yeah, I, well, I say, and by virtue of my power rankings, which I talked about the last episode where I had like the Vikings 21, the Patriots 22, the Bucks 23, mm-hmm. I have like, the Commanders down there at 26. So, yeah. I mean, and they're two and one, <laughs> which, is, good. which is funny. Yeah, but they're not good. Well, yeah. okay. They're two and one. Who are the teams they they're beat? They're terrible Again, two and one team. In my rankings, which, you know, whatever. I mean, they're they're 100% accurate. So take that in consideration. But commanders are two and one against the team that ranks 27th at the Cardinals. I have them there. And 31st, the Broncos. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So you're with me. You're taking. I'm the, with you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'll lay the eight all day. So yes. the only uh, difference we have is the Saints game, which is another Bucks reason Saints, why yeah. uh, I'm glad I took that because it would be boring. If we the, just... uh, but I think all three, of the, all three of the picks this this week involving the NFC, I think they're all easy to me. I agree. What do you think is the toughest one? What do you think is the one you're most likely wrong about? Cowboys, because they could just. You know, they could look like they did the first two weeks mm-hmm. and just, you know, blow this team out. But I'm with you. I think I think uh um I think you put it well where the Patriots play to the level of their competition. Any final thoughts about you, James? Yeah, thank God we get a one o'clock game for a Agree. change. <laughs> like that also okay, that plus I'm, I'm also gonna say what you're gonna say. I love the Europe game. Oh. No, never mind. Love the Europe game. So you get like the nine o'clock, nine thirty a.m. game that's playing in the press box when we get there. Get to kind of just watch. I think it's Falcons Jaguars, right? So you, we can watch that game while you're just kind of like moping around, waiting for the Eagles game to start. Uh, I think like that's a nice experience moping when you're watching around. games from home. As, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's you're, moping? You're not moping around in the press box before games. Not moping, moseying. Moseying is probably a better word. Okay. Yeah, like I'm moseying. like sad and dejected. And nah, like, yeah, mope, moping does, does I like guess, Eeyore. Sad, I'm like, I guess, but... like my head's down. I'm, just... <laughs> oh, I'm sad <laughs> that I gotta watch a football game today. <laughs> but no, I, I love the Europe game. I love when uh, when they they have the nine thirty okay. game, which of course is on at like six thirty if you live on the West Coast, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I love having that game just so early in the morning, and then the one o'clock game. Thank God, like these. Night games are just brutal on selfishly on me. And I don't, I think like a lot of fans don't really love them either. Um, my favorite time slot, I think is like when I, before I did this job mm. was like the late afternoon game. Cause you get like the, the one o'clock games is like the appetizer. Then you get the Eagles at four thirty, and then, you know, whatever the Sunday night game is, is sort of like the, the nightcap. Uh, but I'll take a one o'clock game over anything being uh being a reporter i wish they could start the games earlier <laughs> speaking yeah of well selfishly. certainly yeah I'll, I'll take it i'll take an earlier game I'll, all day like, too, like yeah. 10 o'clock maybe it's a nice time to start 11. have you ever been out on the west coast during like an nfl sunday i have not it's great because you wake up and you know you got the pregame shows are already mm-hmm. going they're already humming along 
and they start at 10. It's awesome. We have to figure it out. One o'clock's too late. Maybe noon at least. Something. We have to we have to figure that out there. The folks in Hawaii really have it well. Really have it good because they start at what, like eight AM? <laughs> like that that's perfect for me. I will say, uh, in addition to the one o'clock start, I am also very much looking forward to a normal Sunday to Sunday schedule moving forward, at least here for a little yes. bit. The again, this is kind of uh who cares about this from a listener standpoint. I think so, yeah. at least for the most part. But like, <laughs> hellacious to me, or it just like can't find like a, like talk about the Eagles' offense being out of rhythm. I feel like I've been out of rhythm. Go from first game week one to the Thursday, from the Thursday to the Monday to the Monday to the right. Sunday. It's just like no one needs to feel bad for us. But I just I really am craving the normal. Just okay, Sunday game, and then you have your Monday recap stuff. Tuesday power rankings. Wednesday injury yeah, report. Yeah, yeah. Start of the next week. Looking ahead. Thursday NFL picks like you know just that picks, routine yeah. of the I just I'm craving that routine and I'm looking forward to that. I also get think, it for a while too. So if like they play Sunday games, uh, one Jimmy's two looking up at his calendar three four five six in a row. They have six home games, six uh, Sunday games in a row. Then they have a bye and then they play the Chiefs on a Monday night. I also will say, even though we're mostly talking about my ourselves right now, I think that's a factor <laughs> in why the Eagles, you know, I mean, I, the Eagles could be a little bit out of sorts with that too. Coaching staff, sure. players, whatnot. You don't have that normal routine. They've kind of been having to deal with that and some travel too on the road throughout all of that as well. So yep. I definitely think that's not like the biggest excuse. If they're 0-3, I wouldn't be like, well, they, they can't win because of that. But um, it's certainly, I think, going to be more nice to get into that regular Sunday to Sunday rhythm here moving forward. I think that will only help them as opposed to hurt them. So uh, looking forward to that. That is my final thought. In addition, uh, check out all the great coverage we have on bleedinggreennation.com for my work, Jimmy Kemsky's work available at phillyvoice.com, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. In addition to the episodes that you listen to with me and Jimmy, there are a lot of other talented hosts that we have here on the podcast so make sure you follow subscribe rate and review we'll read some of those reviews uh, if you leave some so give us them and please uh make them good so we can read them you can support the podcast as i say the podcast is free but if you want to help support our sponsors you can check out all the information in the episode description i have that listed for you there links and promo codes and everything and whatnot uh, same thing with our social media handle. So check the episode description for all that good stuff. And we will be back with you early next week after the Eagles and Commanders play. Good. Bye, everybody. P-G-N. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.